0: the series on the Holy Spirit I want to read today from Romans eight twenty-six through 32 and then from Ephesians 6 18 in Romans 8 26 very familiar verses in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And then in Ephesians chapter 6, 18, Paul says this, And pray in the spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, keep, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Today I want to talk about the spirit and prayer. I believe that much of what has gone wrong with North American Christianity and Christianity and Western civilization has been prayerlessness. The cause is prayerlessness. There, I think there can be no greater... Uh, uh, disavow of our faith than not praying. What do we think, how, how much does God love us if we don't think he's going to listen to us? How much do we think God has for us if we're not going to talk to him about it? You can go to seminars on church growth these days and be there all day long and there will not be five minutes of prayer, I promise you. You can go to all kinds of seminars on all kinds of things sponsored by all kinds of churches and I promise you there won't be five minutes of prayer all day while it happens. Many churches operate as if God doesn't exist. They operate as if God has nothing to say. I read where a pastor of a congregation was trying to incorporate more prayer into his church but it wasn't working. What should I do, he asked another pastor. When I tried to lead into times of prayer during the Sunday morning services, the people got fidgety and complained. Essentially, the unspoken message from the congregation was, listen, pastor, say something, do something, or sing something, but don't just stand there and tell us to talk to God. Don't leave us alone with Him face to face. It's like God's presence sometime is almost, in North American Christianity, a hindrance to our plans. The scary thing is churches can, these days, with our facilities and our technology and our strategies and our programming, churches these days can run without prayer, and you hardly notice. Christian organizations can run without prayer. Whole denominations can run without prayer. But then that leaves us with the profoundly disturbing question. If what is being done can be done without prayer, is what we're doing worth doing at all? Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing that lasts, nothing that's eternal, nothing that really matters, nothing that bears fruit. We must pray. Because the building of God's kingdom is the Spirit's work and the Spirit's power, not ours. Prayer is our partnering with the Spirit to bring God's will into the world. What the Spirit is about is what Jesus taught us in the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come... Thy will be done on earth, right here, right now, as it is in heaven. The Bible tells us to do something that many of us miss. We are called to pray in the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? I think it means something similar to, to other biblical commands. For instance, we're called to walk in the Spirit. That means we continually invite the Spirit into every circumstance, every situation, every aspect of our lives. As we walk through the day, we say, Spirit, guide us. And I preached a couple of weeks ago. I preached on Scripture and the Spirit. And that we are called to read Scripture in the Spirit. That means that we ask the Spirit to show us how to read the Scriptures. And how they apply to us personally. We ask the Spirit to reveal to us where we need to grow, where we need to heal, to make the truths of Scripture jump off the pages and into our hearts and into our lives. Praying in the Spirit is similar. Praying in the Spirit starts with asking the Holy Spirit to help us pray while we're talking to Him. Now, when's the last time you did that? To guide our thoughts as we pray, to burden us with what burdens him, to say, Show me what you want, Lord. Praying in the Spirit begins with asking the Spirit to show me the real issues in my heart and the real issues he wants prayed for that go beyond my heart. In other words, let me make it simple. When I pray, I can go, Lord, this is my take. What's your take? This is what I think needs to happen in my life. What do you think needs to happen in my life? This is how I think you need to fix this situation. How do you want me to pray about this situation? And we express our desires, our requests, and then we ask Him and listen. Listen. We wait on the Lord. This is one of the ultimate ironies with Christians. Often the last place we ask the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us is in prayer when we're talking to the Holy Spirit. But we, needly, we de- desperately need His help. Why? Because Paul says in Romans 8, we don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't know God's agenda or His will in much of what we pray about. We often in our prayers are flying blind, asking for stuff we don't need and ignoring the stuff we do need. So the Spirit does two things, Paul tells us. First, He prays for us, translating our hurt, our pain, our faith, our longings, our requests into the will of God and presenting them to the Father. Why pray even in ignorance? Here's the good news this morning, brothers and sisters. Why pray? Because you can't screw up a prayer. We have a fail-safe system operating on our behalf. No matter what we pray, the Scriptures tells us, it ends up as the will of God after the Holy Spirit is done with it. The Spirit translates our deepest desires into the will of God. So pray. Pray your heart. Pray your desires. Pray your longings. Pray your needs. And the end result will be that the Spirit will turn your prayers into perfect prayers. Hallelujah. Prayers that God will answer because they are in perfect alignment with the will of God. That's what it says here. Hallelujah. You ought to be happy about that. I'm happy about that. But Romans 8, 26 hints in something else. As the Spirit takes our prayers and prays God's will, I think we are invited to join with the Spirit as He prays. We are invited to pray in the Spirit, it says in Ephesians, on all occasions for all kinds of things. I believe the Holy Spirit will guide our prayers if we let Him. Have you ever felt a burden for something and it wouldn't leave you? That is the Spirit guiding you in prayer. Have you ever prayed for somebody and you just couldn't get them out of your mind? You felt such love for them and it was kind of irrational? That was the Spirit guiding you in prayer. The Spirit helps us pray according to God's will and God's priorities. The Holy Spirit asks us to join with His prayers that that help bring God's kingdom to this earth. We are to help pray in God's kingdom. What an awesome responsibility that God's will, that God's blessings, that God's wholeness, that God's shalom will come to our neighbors, come to our friends, come to our family, come to our world, come to our church, come to our ministries. We are called to join the Holy Spirit in prayer as heaven comes against hell and takes back enemy territory. Our prayers are the most critical thing that will happen. If you want to defeat hell, you better learn to pray in the Spirit. Our prayers in the Spirit help us bring the rule of God's kingdom to specific times and places Healing, when God's kingdom enters a human life, is God's rule taking over. Justice, when the world's kingdoms are, against, are unjust, that is God's rule coming to take over. Reconciliation, in a, in a racist world, that, and we pray and something changes, that is God's rule taking over. The Spirit is sent to help us see the larger picture. The Spirit asks us to join Him as He upsets the status quo of Satan's rule. Prayer in the Spirit is letting the Spirit guide our prayers into one situation after another. That's what Paul says in Ephesians six eighteen. Pray about all kinds of things, all kinds of situations, all, over and over and over. Pray in the Spirit, he says. And it is, we, we, we challenge what the devil has taken when we pray. In other words, the Spirit takes us into God's deeper waters... And he help us, helps us pray in God's kingdom. And he teaches us to pray God's will. Now, my, most of us try to do spiritual things in the flesh. We live by flesh. We study scripture in the flesh. We even pray in the flesh. We act as if we can accomplish spiritual things by doing them in our own energy. Jesus talked about praying in the flesh when, before he taught him the Lord's Prayer. He said, don't think you are heard or that, or that your prayer is spiritual just cause you flap your jaws a lot or say many words, or pray a long time. He said the pagans do that. They think they're making brownie points with God. He said, that's in essence, that's fleshly praying. No, we must ask God's Spirit to help us pray. We must ask Him to guide our prayers. We must ask Him to pray through us. And here's how you know if you're not, not praying in the Spirit. Would you like to know how you're not praying in the Spirit? If what you want is all you want, you're not praying in the Spirit. Let me say that one more time. If what you want is all you want, you're not listening to the Spirit. If every prayer ends in essence with, My will be done, not thy will be done, they are prayers of the flesh. Are we invited to pray anything? Of course. To voice every desire? Yes. To express every need or every want. Yes. But in the Spirit, we are asked to go beyond those things and submit our desires to Him. Flesh-driven, fresh, flesh-driven praying is too small, too narrow, too limited, too shallow, too me-centered. Now, does God care about me? Of course. Does He want to hear everything? Does He want me to draw close? Is He crazy about me? Yes. But the world doesn't begin and end with me. It's about the kingdom. Praying in the Spirit means we are open to the Spirit's larger agenda than just our own. To His deeper insights than just our own. Again, look at the Lord's Prayer. It starts with, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And it ends with, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now is there room in that prayer for personal stuff? Absolutely. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive others. Keep us and protect us from evil. But the prayer begins and ends with a larger agenda than just us. And the Spirit prays that way through us. The Spirit prays Jesus' agenda. The Spirit prays Jesus' priorities. The Spirit prays through us and wants to give us Jesus' understanding of things. The Spirit wants to help us bring in the kingdom in our areas of influence If we pray in the spirit, he will give us a larger vision of things. And we will become kingdom prayers. It will become the desire of our hearts. One of the great churches in North America is Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. Jim Cimbala is the pastor there. And he tells about how it all started. He said he remembers a bad day 40 years ago when he said he was in his first year at Brooklyn Tabernacle. He said, I was at our church, which at the time was located in a little building in downtown Brooklyn. He said, it was depressing to pastor that church. We had, on Sunday mornings, 15 to 20 people regularly, he said. The first Sunday offering was a whopping $85. He said, my annual salary was $3,800 a year. Don't even think about it. Carol and I, he said, had to take other jobs to make ends meet. He said the church building we met in was dilapidated. And the area where the church was was overrun with heroin users. And their needles and stuff was on the sidewalks in front of the church. The church was in crisis. He said my sermons were so bad I fell asleep preaching them. He said some days Carol and I didn't even want to go to church, which is a problem when the pastor doesn't want to go to church. He said, on one Tuesday afternoon, I began to pace back and forth at the altar area in the sanctuary. He said, I'd been pastoring for six months, and no one was finding Christ. No lives were being changed, not one. We, if we were fortunate, there might be five people come to Wednesday night services. I felt like a failure. He said, this is not what I saw in Acts, where believers prayed and conversions abounded. If this is what the rest of my life held, I couldn't see the point in continuing, he said. He said, and I wasn't worried about other churches. We weren't competing against other churches. He said, I was competing against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And he said, we were losing. He said, alone in the building, I fell prostrate on the carpet and wept and prayed. He said, I couldn't stand the thought of just holding the fort one more day. I wanted a personal and church revival like some of those throughout church history. I could not bear the thought of a fruitless life. And so he prayed, God, if you're going to change me, If you're not going to change me, if you're not going to make me effective, if I'm not going to make a difference in people's lives, then I don't want this. What's the point of living a life that's not fruitful? He said, I was so desperate. And as I continued, I'm not even sure how the words formed in my mind, but as I said them, I knew they came from my heart, God in my heart. And I said, God, change me and use me. Let me see a breakthrough or take my life. If there is not a breakthrough, I don't want to live. And as God is wit- my witness, he says, I meant it with all my heart. I couldn't bear the thought of living in the frustration of not seeing the power of the gospel change lives anymore. He said, this wasn't about the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. He said, we were basically nothing back then. He said, it wasn't about my pastoral image. You know, what are 15 people? You know, <laughs> only 15 people knew I was a pastor. He said, this wasn't about any of that churchy stuff. Those weren't the thoughts in my mind. He said, this was an inner primal cry. The Holy Spirit helping me pray with groans too deep to be uttered. The thought of presiding over just another ineffective church that had little or no effect on the community was more than I could bear. And he said, that night, that day, in that sanctuary, he said, that was the turning point. He said, that was when... What we see now was birthed in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. It came out of praying. I want you to get this. It came out of praying in the Spirit. It came out of groans too deep to be uttered by the Spirit, passing through the heart of a man who joined his heart with the Spirit's prayer, and the Spirit prayed through him. He prayed in the Spirit. Thousands gathered at Brooklyn Tabernacle now. Do you know at their prayer meetings, they have usually well over 2,000 people to pray on midweek service just to pray. And their prayers literally touch the entire world. Answers come in from all across the planet as well as answers for people in New York City. Pray prayer in the spirit. It changes things. But I got news for you. I have to give you a little warning here. It changes us first. It burdens us first. It reprioritizes our thinking first. It makes us care for the things God cares for, which includes ourselves, but goes well beyond ourselves. Paul also says in Romans 8 that the Spirit prays with groanings that go beyond words. The heart of prayer is not about how eloquent your words are. The heart of prayer is lifting your heart and soul to God and saying, God, here I am, take me as I am, do with me as you will. That is prayer. And you know why we need to pray in the Spirit? Because there are some pains that simply cannot be put into words. There are some joys that simply cannot be expressed with words. By the way, that's where tongues come in for people who speak in tongues. Tongues are to express emotions, pains, ecstasies that words cannot express and that words would get in the way. I know this sounds anti-intellectual and we got a lot of really brainy people here, including the guy talking to you. I'm so smart. (laughs) But I got news for you. There are times, there are times when your brain gets in the way Do you hear me? There are times, tongues are where people express what brains would just get in the way of. Now, I'm not saying everybody speaks in tongues. I'm not even saying everybody ought to speak in tongues. But the Bible says seek all the gifts, and I want you to know this. I'm just telling you the reason why you might want to speak in tongues because it'll, if nothing else, it'll help expand your prayer life. Uh, If you don't like that, Pastor Linda will be here long after I'm gone. call her what I'm saying I'll give you an example praying of praying in the spirit at the deepest levels that go beyond words it doesn't involve tongues by the way I remember a woman I think her name was Sue who was praying for world missions when she found herself drawn to pray for Christ's work in Venezuela she didn't know during that prayer who she was praying for She didn't know during that prayer what she was praying for. She did not know, as Paul said, how to pray as she ought. Yet she felt a burden, a cry in the deepest recesses of her soul that poured out of of her for whatever was going on in Venezuela. Even though she didn't have a clue, she couldn't even speak. Instead, she wept. Deep sobs shook her entire body. She couldn't stop crying. For over an hour, she wept as the Spirit prayed through her. She felt the heart of God as she had never felt it before. To this day, she does not know what she prayed for. She does not who know who she prayed for. The spirit bypassed her mind and came through the center of her spirit. She groaned with groanings that went beyond words. She prayed in the spirit because she was so in tune with the spirit. And one day as she stands in heaven, she will see what those prayers prayed through her wrought. She'll find out the lives that got saved that day, although she doesn't have a clue now. She'll find out the wounds that were healed that day, even though she doesn't have a clue now. In that day, she will see how the Spirit brought the kingdom through her, right through the middle of her heart into Venezuela. Now, again, don't get me wrong. You can pray in the Spirit and are called to pray in the Spirit in English. (laughs) You don't have to speak in tongues. You don't have to just cry. But sometimes, you know, but I'm telling you, there are times when I pray where I am able to articulate what I want to say and I pray in the spirit with my language and, my, and you know, I pray like I'm talking to you. And that's fine. And that'll probably be the majority of time. But I want you to know, there are times when I pray when all I can say is Jesus. Jesus. And he knows exactly what I'm saying. He knows exactly what I need. He knows exactly what needs to be done. And all I have to say is Jesus. Because the spirit is coming through me. With groanings too deep for words. Hallelujah. (coughs) Praise the Lord. This has been the experience of untold Christians throughout the centuries. They pray for God to change something. And the next thing they know, they're carried into worlds and experiences they never expected. As Virginia Owen, the Christian writer, says, and, and here's part of the warning. She says, awful things happen to people who pray. Their plans are frequently disrupted. They end up in strange places, literally and figuratively. Prayer changes things, is often meant to comfort Christians, but often prayer just shakes up your world. It expands us, it takes us into the realm of the Spirit. Where, guess what? We're not in control. And maybe that's why some of us pray so little. Praying with God's Spirit enlarges us in ways that just might make us feel a little uncomfortable sometimes. But let me ask you, any time you really learn something new, any time you ever expanded as a person, wasn't it always a little uncomfortable at the beginning? But in the end, if we pray in the Spirit, something wonderful happens. God answers Spirit-led prayers. And often, we don't know what's coming. We don't don't see what's coming. And you know why we don't see what's coming? If we don't know how to pray as we ought, how could we know the answer to our prayers that the Spirit changed? How can you know what's coming? What I'm saying is His timing is not our timing. His answers are often not our answers. But His answers are the best answers. They reflect, Paul tells us, God's perfect will for that situation. Hallelujah. Ben Patterson was a pastor in California, Presbyterian Church. And he said he had a son named Joel. And when Joel was seven years old, they discovered he had Tourette's Syndrome. He said, we noticed it first because he would be out playing and he just stared at the sun, And they said, no, that's bad for your eyes. That'll hurt your eyes. But he couldn't help it. And then he said there were other times when he tried repeatedly to touch a hot burning stove. It was like he couldn't help it. He said, he said there were other things like blinking, uncontrollable blinking of the eyes, facial and body tics, contortions, jerks, random vocalizations, barking sounds, repeated clearing of the throat, and they didn't know what was going on. Having no name for what they were witnessing at the time, they were scared to death. Wouldn't you be scared to death? They were perplexed. And Patterson said, as I watched Joel struggle, I struggled with guilt. I wondered, is this something I've done to him? By the way, when you have a special need kid or you have a kid that's really struggling, most parents, that's exactly where we go. We go straight to, if I was a good parent, this probably wouldn't be happening. What am I doing wrong? Our our culture is loaded with false parental guilt, by the way. What I find is that the people who really feel guilty about their parenting shouldn't, and the people who don't feel guilty about their parenting should most of the time. (laughs) But see, he felt guilty because of all our kids. Joel was the one I most often lost my temper with because special needs kids push a lot of buttons. And like his dad, like me, Patterson said, he could be madding, strongly bullheaded and combative. And he was articulate beyond his years, and he knew how to argue. Oh, you know, sometimes you want a smart kid, and sometimes you don't. (laughs) Anyway, after that, Patterson, in the middle of all of this, Patterson went on a spiritual retreat, and at that retreat, he took a walk. And after the walk, he said, I went back to my room, and he said, before I'd left for the trip, I impulsively grabbed a devotional book off my library shelf and put it in my bag. I hadn't used it for more than a year. It was sitting on the table. So I just picked it up. That day, in misery, on this retreat, worried, sick about my son, blaming myself. And he said, the scripture that day was John 9. And the first three verses read, As Jesus went along, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Patterson said, I knew that kind of question well. That was the question. I'd been asking it daily, and the answer was always me and his mother. What I had not considered was Jesus' answer. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. An extraordinary coincidence that on the day I was at the bottom... That that day's reading should be something from a book I grabbed off the shelf just before I left? You'll never convince me that was coincidence, he said. And he said the tears came, freely, joyfully. It was neither my sin nor his mom's, but God in his mysterious providence was going to do a great work in Joel's life. The coils that were strangling us disappeared. We saw the loving face of God the Father again. God spoke and everything that has followed with Joel has confirmed what he said. It wasn't about my sin, but the work of God, his glory, and our growth and holiness. And what they found out is that God's answers to their prayers have taken them places spiritually they would have never gone. Relationally, they would have never gone. That God's answers were not the easy answer that they wanted, but it was the best answer they could have gotten. That is why we don't know how to pray as we ought. That's why we turn it over to the Spirit. Pray, and, oh, oh, and, I, and, and I love how Patterson summed it up. Here's what he says. What happens when we persist in prayer? In the long term, we will see God's good and perfect will done. That's the promise of the word. Or we may see our prayers answered, get this, and this is what Paul's getting at, or we may see our prayers answered better than we prayed them. We pray for silver, Luther wrote, but God often gives us gold. And oftentimes we complain, we go, wait a minute, I'm praying for silver. I don't want this gold, I pray for silver. Other wonderful things happen too. Our prayers get kicked up a notch. We are expanded as we repeatedly, in Christ's name, pray. In doing so, we see things more clearly as we learn to see things through his eyes. Prayer then becomes what Emerson called the contemplation of life from the highest point of view. We we start seeing things from where God is. And more important, Patterson said, when we pray persistently, we get to be with God. What happens to us while we pray is at least as important as the thing we pray for. Don't forget that. What happens to us as we pray is at least as important what we pray for. The praying is often better than the thing asked. I think that the answer to the question that was often in my mind as a young man, why does God wait so long to answer my prayers, wouldn't it be more efficient, even a greater sign of his love, to answer my prayers the way I want them, when I want them? And he said, I've come to see that it is precisely his love that makes me wait And keeps drawing me back to him over and over and over because God, Jesus, is more precious than anything I desire. He is the 24 karat gold of heaven. Hallelujah. Pray in the Spirit. Ask God to pour his Spirit into you, ask God to guide you. Listen, just just say, Lord, here's what I think. What do you think? I'll listen. And somewhere during, you know, I believe you'll talk to me about this. Show me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. And then look for his perfect answers as they come to you in the most surprising of ways. The Spirit has chosen us. What a privilege to save the world with him with prayer. And when you do, look for the gold he sends, not just the silver you asked for. God's answer will come in His time, in His way. He he will graciously give us all the things we need and more. Isn't that what Paul said? If God gave His own Son on a cross for us, what would He withhold? He will give us incredible generous gifts. As I said in a sermon years ago, pray. Pray depending on the Spirit to help you pray. Pray in the Spirit. And when you pray, one more little bit of advice. Pray until the problem, and I said this years ago in a sermon, pray until the problem gets smaller or you get bigger. Pray. Pray until heaven comes down and takes charge of the situation or until you are filled with heaven in the middle of hell. Hallelujah. Pray until you get an answer or until you become the answer. Pray. Pray until the problem shrinks or you expand. Pray until the kingdom comes in those situations he's leading you to pray for. Pray in the spirit. Pray until you strike gold. And the spirit will lead you to where the gold is. Hallelujah. 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 (laughs) Praise the Lord. Now, before we leave here, I can't preach a sermon on prayer and then us not pray. (laughs) So we're going to pray. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I I want you before God to get real honest. And I want you to tell him where your prayer life is. Does it stink? Do you pray about once a month now? Do you just have this nice little list that you go down and just, you know... What state is your prayer life really in? Is it alive? Is, Is it in the spirit Is it energizing you? Is it leading you somewhere? Ask God. Tell God where you are. And then I want you to ask Him to teach you to pray in the Spirit, whatever that means. Spirit speaking to people. Listen, Lord Jesus. I pray that this day is a turning point in dozens and dozens of people's prayer life this morning. I pray, Lord, that you teach us how to flow with you, listen to you, join you in bringing the kingdom to this world. Teach us to pray in the Spirit, Lord. Some of us are scared to death of you. Take away the fear. Some of us, Lord, have given up hope. Draw us back. Some of us, Lord, are angry. Help us to talk it out with you. Lord Jesus, change people's prayer life today. Make it exciting. Make it scary sometimes. Show us how to pray. And God's people say, amen. I'd like uh, whoever's going to lead the final song to to come up. The altar will be open. I'd like the intercessors to come forward. There's a room open over there if you'd like to talk with someone or pray with someone in the prayer room. If you want to give your heart to the Lord to know what living in the Spirit is like, you can't know what living in the Spirit is like without coming to Jesus. So you can do that too. Somebody will pray with you. I'd like you to stand I want to say this one last thing. Something is coming. The Spirit is going to bring, is bringing something. It will be prayed in. It won't be preached in. It will be prayed in. Do you understand? It will not be programmed in. It will be prayed in. It will be people praying the kingdom in. That's you. It will take all of us To see what God has for us. Amen? Amen? Be open to the leading of the Spirit, especially when you pray. Because I think think God has something really good for us. Really, really. I think there's gold coming. Okay, lead us in the final song. lost without Him. And the antidote for that is to be desperate for Him. Amen? Oh Lord Jesus, make us all desperate for a walk with You in the Spirit in life as we search the Scriptures and in prayer. Teach us, Lord, to pray in the Spirit so that we may see the kingdom come. And God's people say, Amen? And amen.